What is up, everybody? We are back after, I have to say, a much more enjoyable day of football. Would y'all agree this was a much more enjoyable day of football than what we had in week one? Tons of exciting games. We had two overtime games. We had a ton, tons of stuff going on. We're going to try to recap as much as we can here right after the afternoon games are over. Actually, one of the afternoon games, we're still sitting here watching uh, Russell Wilson miss Adam Troutman for what would have been a touchdown and would have made my DFS day uh, very good. And so that hurts my that hurts my soul. I won't lie to you about that. So right here after it, just some quick reactions. We're going to be doing this every single Sunday. Uh, it'll be in your podcast feed, obviously, on Monday mornings. However, if you want to join us live over on YouTube, we're going to do this at 7.30 Eastern every single Sunday throughout the NFL season. Go to YouTube, search Warren Sharp, uh, subscribe to the channel. You'll get notified when we go live. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time every single week. With that, let me introduce who's going to be doing this with us. First up, we have Curtis, our waiver wire expert. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It was a much more fun week in the fantasy streets as well, because we see some points being put on our fantasy scores. Whether the record stays the same or is different, at least we get to see ourselves get into the hundreds of points. So much better that yeah, way. Yeah, no, that was the thing. That was the thing Rich and I talked about on our podcast on Thursday was just how historically bad from a scoring perspective week one was. And obviously for fantasy people, we are we we want points and we want touchdowns preferably to our players, but we just like points and touchdowns in general. And so, yeah, week one was not as fun from, from that perspective as well. What I will say, it did seem like a tough day today for injuries. We got a couple really late right before we're recording. It This was another like tough day for injuries, right, Tucker? Yeah, and, and it was a lot of big names. And we came into today with a, a few guys who were inactive, like Laramie Tunsil um, didn't play. There were a, a few other offensive linemen across the league who – I kind of circled it as maybe their their absence being an X factor in the game. And the guys that we have on their fantasy rosters, the guys that, that you see on, on highlight reels, those are the guys that we're going to be talking about tonight because there's about five or six guys with all pro caliber or all pro pedigree behind their name that I'm not sure if they're going to be, be on the field next week. Let's actually start with one of those. Let's start with Saquon Barkley, which is one of the ones we saw very late in this, very late on on Sunday. And Saquon... You know, he was part of the big comeback for the Giants. They came back after, I mean, one of the worst starts to a season I guess you could possibly have. Over over six quarters of the season, they were being outscored 60 to zero. So that was not the that was not the best start for them, but they were able to come back and win a game they were supposed to win against the Cardinals. But late in that game, we saw Saquon Barkley hobble off, and it it kind of looked like it might have been a a a decently bad ankle injury, right? Yeah, and I, I think the big thing that'll keep them out in week three is just the, the time crunch because they're on Thursday night football this week. And, you know, we don't want to speculate. We aren't doctors. We don't have medical degrees. But he definitely got rolled up on that ankle. And the, the way it twisted looks a lot like what happens when you see a guy go down with a high ankle sprain. And he looked frustrated. He, he struggled to get off the, the field. He had to have help, um, you know, kind of being carried to the sideline and, and then was really frustrated slamming his helmet on the bench. So I think he's aware of maybe how serious this could be, but I, I think at least for week three, I would be absolutely shocked if Saquon Barkley was on the field strictly because if we don't want to, you know, discuss what the actual injury is, I think him coming back from an ankle injury that was that painful in four days is going to be really, really tough. I mean, especially given, especially given the, you know, the history he has 
with injuries, you you would think that maybe played a little safe for him. Although, I mean, the Giants, they did come back and win this game. They're one and one. So we're we're we saved the season, but I mean, it, they're still James Conner ran wild on on this defense. And if James Conner's running wild on your defense, then you could have some some issues. Producer Sean actually gave us a good update here about the next player I want to talk about, Garrett Wilson. Robert Sala said that Garrett Wilson just got the win knocked out of him. All right. That's great. I feel much, much better. I thought, I thought Curtis, we had Saquon and Garrett Wilson go down. It just seems like it just seems like Saquon's the one that we're really worried about, worried about here. How are you what are you thinking about this backfield from a waiver perspective? I mean, I guess it's it's Matt Breida, but based on kind of what we've seen from this offense already, are are we really getting terribly excited about this? They're playing right, they're playing the 49ers on Thursday night. Is that right? Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Rich. Don't play running backs against the 49ers. I think Kyron Williams uh, got two touchdowns today, damn it. So uh yeah, are you ready to fire up Matt Breida against the 49ers defense? Pro- probably not. Could he catch a couple passes? Yeah, I don't think he's gonna rush for much. I think that's a game you're gonna want to look to attack the receivers. You know, who had a really nice game today was Jalen Hyatt. When they let him break free, he he has speed. So I think that's going to be how they're going to attack the 49ers defense. Those cor- outside corners are a little bit weaker. And if you can attack them with speed, they're going to have to take some big shots to stay in that game. So if I'm looking at anyone on that giant side other than Waller and Barkley, it's going to be Hyatt moving forward. But yeah, Matt Breida against 49ers, Gary Brightwell against 49ers, hard pass. Or uh, Gray, what Eric Gray out of Oklahoma? Did they drafted him? Is he? Did he make the roster? I, you know, I, I don't pay a ton scratch. of attention to the players behind Saquon because because you know Saquon's just going to handle what seventy five percent of the of the touches anyway. And so now that we have this situation, yeah, you're not you're not getting really excited about that. Let's move on a little bit here. Let's actually talk about Amari Cooper because you know Tucker Tucker handles our injury report every week and our article over at sharp football analysis, which you should go and check out at, you know, very detailed. And actually I was up late on, on Saturday, I think. And like, I saw a quote about Amari Cooper and I went and threw it into the article because it was the most, I guess, negative injury quote without actually saying a player's out I've ever seen from a coach. And that was Kevin Stefanski. Then it came out on Sunday morning. It seems like Amari Cooper is not going to play on Monday night. So if you're listening to this and you hadn't heard that yet, you know, you need to make some adjustments to your lineups. I think what really concerns me with this one though, Tucker is he had a groin injury in training camp, right? Like this is, this is an aggravation of a pre-existing condition. Yeah. This isn't something that just kind of popped up last week. This isn't a, a new thing that maybe he's, uh, you know, just, just hitting him. This is an nagging injury that that's been going on for, for well over a month now. So that's concerning, especially for someone his age, um, someone who who's kind of, on the back nine uh, of his NFL career. And that tends to, to bring with it more soft tissue injuries, more pulled hamstrings, pulled groins, things like that. And it may take him a little bit longer to, to get back as well. And it, it's a shame because I, I thought he was a, a real key part uh, of that Cleveland passing offense, even though, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't have a, a great day in week one, but yeah, looking forward if he's not on there, I mean, who are you throwing to? especially out wide. I, I just, I, I think he was kind of the key weapon in that passing game. And if he isn't out there, if he isn't, you know, reliable, I, I just, I wonder what the ceiling is with that group. I think that this is the opportunity. Elijah Moore is definitely rostered in, you know, most leagues, but this could be an opportunity for Donovan Peoples-Jones, right, Curtis? 
Yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, Cedric Tillman, he was a really good prospect. I know Ryan liked him a lot. And uh, the tight end, David Njoku, who was kind of shut down in the first week. I think he should be all ready to go for next week. And I would probably put him in my captain's lineup in a DFS contest or two. But I w- I'm shocked that they came out and said Amari's not playing because as a Cowboys fan, he was always on the injured re-report and always managed to suit up and play a little bit. So I'm glad that came out this morning because I was just planning to wait till tomorrow and find another solution for some of my lineups if he didn't go, assuming he was going to go. I'm telling you, that's a fancy quote. As soon as I saw it, he he said something (laughs) to the effect of, well, I mean, he has tomorrow and he has the next day. So I guess we'll see what's going to happen. And I went, oh, that's not. That's not good. These are these are the things you learn from blurbing at Rotor World for years and mm-hmm. years and years and years. Coaches are generally way over optimistic about injury. So if you hear them kind of be like mm-hmm. even meh about an injury, you go, oh no, that's that's a bad sign. By the way, if Pete Carroll is ever negative about an injured player, you need to worry about that player. You need to worry about his vital signs if that's the yeah. case. Pete Carroll. Oh yeah, Tucker. Tucker's always I I always forget Tucker that you and I can commiserate on the injury reports. Like if Pete Carroll, has Pete Carroll ever had a negative thing to say about an injury? Uh no. Pete Carroll's never said anything negative, and, and Bill Belichick's never had a player who wasn't limited in practice. That's what those are my two favorite things. By the end of the year, everyone on the Seahawks is, is healthy, even if they're in a cast, and everyone on the yep. Patriots, even if they're playing 80 snaps a game is limited in practice and considered questionable. The questionable list, the Patriots questionable list in week seven and 16 is just, it's really art. Like they should hang it in the loop. It, mm. It's really, it's really magical from, from Bill Belichick. Another kind of injury situation that we need to monitor going forward actually comes from the Bengals who find themselves 0-2 again, just like last year. But this year we have a little bit of concern with Joe Burrow, who, he appeared to tweak his calf a little bit, that calf injury that limited him in the preseason. After the game, we've got a quote from him that was going to wait and see how it feels. They did say that if the Bengals had gotten another opportunity, Burrow would have gone back into the game. So that's you know that's a positive sign. But to see this preseason injury, to see how poorly he's played, and they did bounce back, at least from a fantasy perspective, but it wasn't a great showing uh, for Burrow or that offense. I mean, Jamar Chase is still still trying to, you know, really get off the mark in fantasy, uh, for fantasy purposes. Like, you're really starting to worry, how hurt is he? How much time could he possibly miss? Are they going to maybe try to shut him down for a little bit? How worried are you about after this aggravation, Tucker? I think I'm more worried about it long term. And, and Joe Burrow improved today, right? Like, they scored a touchdown. Their, their offense <laughs> well, it was so much better, strictly because the, the bar, I don't even know if it was on the ground. It was buried six feet under the ground uh, coming into this week after their performance against Cleveland. But it kind of reminds me, go back to last year and Matt Stafford dealt with an elbow injury for much of training camp. And by the end it was, Oh, he's fine. He's a veteran. Don't worry about it. And then he really struggled. And, you know, it was never kind of attributed to that, but I always wondered how much him kind of missing training camp while getting treatment on that elbow really affected him. They ended up getting hurt further towards the end of the year and getting shut down. And, I don't know if that's where things are leading with Joe Burrow, but I do think a lot of times when we hear about these training camp and preseason injuries, especially like he got injured like first day of camp, like it was really, really early. And then they just kind of shut him down for like four weeks. And it was always funny just how negative Zach Taylor was about the whole thing. Oh, he's two weeks away from being two weeks away. And they pretty much shut him down until he had to get on the field for the regular season. So 
one, I, I wonder how healed it actually is. But two, I, I think this is kind of a learning lesson, especially, like I said, after it happened to Stafford last year with his elbow in training camp and now Joe Burrow. It's only two weeks. I don't want to chalk it up to a, a lost season for Joe Burrow because he's certainly shown that, that he can struggle early in the season. And then, you know, by mid-January where the Bengals are going to be at the top of the AFC, you know, kind of jockeying for position with the Bills and, and with the Chiefs. But it is worrisome to me that, that he's still feeling the effects of it, that, that he isn't, you know, just completely moved past it yet. And if we're, you know, at the end of September, if we're, you know, into October and he's still dealing with it, I mean, this just might be who Joe Burrow is this year because the Bengals can't afford to have him take games off, especially now that they've started 0-2. They're in a, a fairly competitive division right now with the Ravens. And even though the Steelers are, were absolutely horrendous in week one, they still have playoff aspirations. I think it's really worrisome for the Bengals that this is something that's now been going on for six weeks and we still don't really have an answer as to if or when he'll be back to full strength this year. Y'all are not going to believe that the Broncos just caught a Hail Mary and now have a two-way conversion to try to tie no way against, against Washington. Um, yeah, Brandon Johnson, it got tipped. Uh, they tried to knock it down. The commanders tried to knock it down at the line. It got tipped up in the air, Brandon Johnson. Uh, caught it, and uh, they have a two-point conversion attempt here to maybe go to overtime. Wild, absolutely wild scenes. Uh, my uh, my my English soccer commentating friends would say scenes here and in Denver, and we'll kind of see we'll see how that goes. We did have a couple, you know, concussion concerns. I don't really know how to talk about concussion concerns because it it varies so much from you know, player to player. We had Devontae Adams leave with a concussion evaluation. I don't think we ever even got word that he has, you know, that he was actually diagnosed with a concussion. He was late in the game when it happened and they took him to the locker room. We saw Anthony Richardson. We know that he left with a concussion evaluation and then he was, he didn't come back to the game. So you're going to assume that he's in the protocol. So a lot of those kinds of things, but the other injury that I think is very interesting from a fantasy perspective is, and they didn't get the two point. Oh, sad, sad times in Denver. That was a that Hail Mary. Go and find it if you were watching. The other injury, though, I think from a fantasy perspective, it might have some bearing on the waiver wire, Curtis, is David Montgomery had a thigh injury. Dan Campbell, after the game, said it looked like a thigh bruise. It's a very weird way to get a thigh bruise because his leg just got completely twisted and then he was guarded to the locker room and it looked like the ice was on his knee. So I don't know. I don't know what that was. So kind of what are you... How are you handling this situation as you're thinking about waivers uh, this week? Yeah, really good question. And I saw somewhere that Jameer Gibbs had hurt his ankle a bit too, that he wasn't 100%. So maybe that's why Craig Reynolds was getting some more snaps than you would have thought when after Montgomery went out. But yeah, we're going to watch and see what the lines do because again, uh, that looked more serious than just a plain thigh bruise. And I guess we'll we'll see when Wednesday comes out or... but. I'd assume they're flying in some running backs to help out because I don't think Gibbs is not going to be an early down runner or goal, goal line runner. So I think they want to increase his touches, but I don't think they want to increase him to what a guy like Tony Pollard got today either. So I think they're going to want someone else to share a bit of that load with him if Montgomery's going to be out long term. But yeah, like I, like you said, it looked more serious than just a thigh bruise, but we'll see what happens here. Am I forgetting, like, I, I have this memory of Craig Reynolds actually having, like, a run of production 
am I, was that, was that a COVID haze? No, it looks like he did have, oh, you know, he had 230 yards in 2021 and then he had 102 last year. So I don't, but yeah, you, your point, it was very interesting. Maybe Gibbs is hurt. Um, and I was dealing with an injury, but it's very interesting that after Montgomery left, it wasn't like Gibbs just stepped in and became the, the number one running back. It was almost like Reynolds just stepped right into the Montgomery role, which is very fascinating because if that's the case and we're going to expect that moving forward and they don't add a running back, obviously there are still those names out there. Kareem Hunt is still out there. Leonard Fournette is still out there. There are still those names out there, but if they're not adding anybody and we see Craig Reynolds step into that Montgomery role, that's going to be a very interesting on the waiver wire to see how we deal with that because it seems like maybe right Tucker, maybe they just don't view Gibbs as being able to do that. That raises some interesting questions about why you spent the draft capital. But if they don't see Gibbs that way, they're not going to use him that way. And that opens up that very big role in the Lions offense, right? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like the way they, they've used Gibbs and Montgomery through two weeks is very similar to how they used DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams last year, right? Where DeAndre Swift, I think we can all agree, is a more talented running back, a more dynamic running back than, than Jamal Williams is. But you look at their snap share, and Jamal Williams got the majority of the touches. And Swift was, was hurt. For, for a time last year, but it was almost like Williams got first and second down. And if you needed a big play, you call on DeAndre Swift. And that's kind of what they're doing with Jamar Gibbs, which that's fine. If you didn't spend the 12th overall pick on him, right? Like, like it's so weird to me that they took a guy who I think is a dynamic talent and could be a difference maker and, and a big play machine for this offense, which they you know need coming out of the backfield. And they're just choosing to ignore him the way they did last year with a guy who I, I thought was more talented than who became their bell cow. And, and maybe they don't view him in that kind of light, but I don't know. I just, I think it's so weird because you look at what B. John Robinson did today and the amount of touches he got in Atlanta, which I, I think a lot of people can breathe the sigh of relief after what we saw from him in, in week one. But what I'll tell you, uh, Tyler Algier still had what 15 carries. He was still there. Yeah. So just putting that out, throw that out there. But I just, I don't know, I, I look at what Gibbs has done through two weeks, and it's fascinating. Like, the usage screams, he was a fourth-round pick. He was a fifth-round pick. He's an undrafted free agent. We picked him up off, off the waiver wire the last week at camp. Not, hey, we used our most prized draft capital to go give the pick up this guy, and he got seven carries for 17 yards. He did get seven catches. I have to, you know, throw that in there, and he got nine targets. And so they talked all week about getting him more involved that way, you know, getting him more involved in the game. Of course, I mean, St. Brown, Amon Rob missed some time in this game, both because of an ankle injury and some, and some cramping issues, but he came, he was in the game by the end. So maybe that had a role in, in kind of what we saw from Gibbs, but it will be interesting to see, like if you spent that pick on a running back and when your lead back, David Montgomery goes down, you turn to Craig Reynolds. It does at least, you know, raise some questions, raise some questions for sure. One more injury, though, I, I missed. Actually, Logan Thomas left a concussion after a terrible hit oh. uh, from Kareem Jackson. He ended up getting kicked out. That was awful. So, you know, we'll see what happens with, you know, Logan Thomas. But one more injury that I think will have more of a waiver influence for you, uh, Curtis, was Odell Beckham, who hurt his ankle. They said after it's not believed to be serious, he was pretty quickly ruled out of that game. We saw Nelson Aguilar come in and have actually a pretty good game there. Big free agent signing before the other big free agent signing, right? Nelson Aguilar. So how are you handling that? What are you thinking of Nelson Aguilar? Yeah, yeah, their fourth best receiver this year is would have been their first best receiver last year. And he came in and caught five balls for 63 yards and a touchdown today. 
and that's I, I think Bateman was out there a little bit more than he was in week one, but I kind of thought Aguilar might be involved early on in the season and have him tail off a bit once Bateman got up to speed, but he was out there and actually was more productive than Bateman today. So uh, Beckham misses some time. It looks like they're going to throw the ball a lot more this year. So if, if any of those three starting receivers, they can all catch balls and I'm, they should all be rostered at some point, whether they're a flex play or just a bench stash. I am very interested to see. I need to find them tomorrow. Unfortunately, I won't know until Monday. And again, we record these on, on Sunday, right after the end of the afternoon games. We go live at 7.30 Eastern over at YouTube. Go over to our YouTube and subscribe, and you'll get the notifications. We It'll be interesting to see on Monday how many designed runs we saw out of Lamar because it just it, they haven't been there. At, at least from what I can tell, yeah. you know, just by watching the games. And obviously I'd like to see, um, you know, if I'm missing them or things like that. A lot of what we saw this uh, today rushing was, you know, more of the scrambling variety. And so it is, it has been interesting to watch their offense and kind of the way it's been working, but I mean, they're two and oh, one of those wins is against the Texans. You know, you know what are you going to do? But they beat the Bengals. They're two and oh, they're in a really great spot in their division. So it's really been going well for them. Another team that has been going really well for, even though they lost today, is the Los Angeles Rams. And this is the part of the show where I eat crow, where I give a mea culpa, because mm -hmm. I thought the Rams were going to be awful, and I was terribly wrong. And I was terribly wrong for two very important reasons. First of the, the first reason is that Matthew Stafford is healthy. And Tucker, you mentioned that last year, he just wasn't. He wasn't healthy the entire time. He ended up picking up the injury late that actually forced him out, but even before that, he wasn't healthy. He's healthy right now, and he is dealing. He is cooking. He did throw an interception late against the 49ers in that loss, but he he played amazing in that game. And the other reason is Cooper Cup uh, is apparently on injured reserve, but maybe mm -hmm. he's not. Maybe he's just wearing a different number, and that's Puka Nakua, who, you know, it is always funny. We talked about this last week. It's funny when the entire fantasy community is on one of these later round wide receivers. You go, oh, this guy's the truth. This guy is real. And then he actually works out. How often does it actually work out? And it has Puka Nakua has, I believe, the most catches and most yards for a rookie through two weeks in NFL history. Am I Ever. right? Was that the stat yeah, that I saw on correct. the broadcast? Yeah. So this has just been wild. They did lose the 49ers. The 49ers, you know, are one of the best teams, if not the best team in football. It is what it is. But I am I was wrong, 100% wrong. The Rams are going to give a lot of teams trouble this year as long as Matthew Stafford is able to stay healthy. And it, it was it was very interesting to kind of watch that game today and, and see what they were able to do. Stafford was in his bag early. He looked so good. He, they were designing some where he's rolling out and he just was firing the ball to Nakua like at will. And they were designing up all sorts of crazy plays. Like they looked so good. Like usually McVay walks into this matchup against uh the 49ers and gets his clock cleaned but they had a good chance going into the third or fourth quarter today so very surprised with that result and i don't think we would have been shocked if we would have saw a three for 30 from puka today but he followed it up with another crazy good game so yeah, how are you going to defend fun. this offense when he and cooper cup are there tucker like what are you gonna what are you gonna do if both of them are there I, I think it's why I mean he had 20 targets today, which last year, like that was I mean, I, I think it's funny. We talked about Cooper Cup two years ago and what he did. He almost put up a thousand yards last year in like eight games. He had like 70 target share was games. like 30, 
3% or something like that. Some wild number in those games. Yeah, and, and Puka Nakua had 20 targets on, you know, Stafford's 55 attempts. Then you add in Tutu Atwell had nine targets, and Kyron Williams had 10 targets out of the backfield. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, compare that to, to Patrick Mahomes, who completed, I think, passes to 11 different receivers <laughs> earlier this afternoon. Matt Stafford, in this offense, like, he finds two, three guys every week, and, and he just peppers them. Maybe that's a, a Sean McVay thing, but yeah, it's as someone who's stashed Cooper Cup in, in quite a few leagues and was kind of waiting for him to come back and take over this offense. I don't know. Like, could he do any better than what Puka Nakua oh. is doing right now? Like, I don't want to sell all my Cooper Cup stock at the moment, but at the very least, the Rams are fun. Like, I, I think we all thought they'd be bad and they'd be boring and they're old and gross and just not fun to watch. At the very least, they have put together some some great offensive firepower the first couple of weeks of the season and if they're on at 425 and nothing else is going on they could be an enjoyable team to to pay attention to yeah i'm still not sold on them you know making the playoffs this we saw the seahawks bounce back i beat the lions this week and so you know we'll we'll see how it goes but i i mean they are way better than what i thought that they had that they had the opportunity to be i do want to talk a little bit about their backfield situation however because we saw cam Akers be inactive with a coach's decision. I, t I tweeted this out, but someone needs to make a lifetime movie about the relationship between Sean McVay and Cam Akers, because it has been a wild ride <laughs> over the last, over the last, uh, what year and a half with those two. And so now we see Cam Akers, we saw Kyron Williams kind of not be the lead back, but certainly be the, the one B at worst in week one. Now Cam Akers is, you know, benched it seems like coach's decision Kyron comes out and and Tucker mentioned it had a ton of catches I believe he found the end zone I don't know if he got the two touchdowns but I know he got the one he ran for one and he caught he one. ended up with two yeah well I have a I had a fantasy team I hadn't checked yet that's going to be very excited about him ended up ending up with two but so yeah I mean it was just a, a great performance from from Kyron Williams against a very tough defense and this is another one of those situations where if they're doing this against the 49ers, you're going to feel pretty good about what this offense is going to be able to do against the lesser defenses in the league. I mean, if you if you got Kyron Williams, if he's somehow still on your waiver wire this week, I mean, you you have to go and spend a lot on him, I think, Curtis. Yeah, if he's available, just he's the number one guy there, and they're going to be in pass. Looks like they're going to pass the ball a lot. So he's going to have a weekly floor with catches and he might find the end zone on the ground. Like he found the end zone on the ground against the 49ers. No one does that. So if he's available, just fire it all at him because he's the top 24 running back every week with probably multiple top six weeks going forward when he finds the end zone. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about this last week. If you can find someone like that early on, it's so much more valuable because of mm -hmm. how long you have them. Of course, he is a running back. Uh, and Cam Akers rose from the dead last year. So we don't know really what's going to happen, but it's looking it's looking very good. It's looking very good for him right now. Not looking great for the Chargers. They fell to 0-2 today, overtime loss to the Titans in a game that I I don't again, I don't think they really had any business losing that game. You lose last week to the Chargers. Tyreek Hill goes wild. Tua goes wild. I mean, excuse me, to the Dolphins. Like you kind of get it a little bit, but this game I don't really think they had any business losing. And yet they somehow lost it again. Brandon Staley made some odd decisions. I know there's one you want to talk about specifically, Curtis. What this is just a, yeah. a we're we're just wasting talent again with these Chargers. And Curtis, I don't 
like it just makes me sad almost at this point. Yeah, I just want to root for Justin Herbert so much. And then uh, even Brandon Staley, we loved him year one until Troy Aikman shamed him on his four, fourth down usage. And today he punted from the four, uh, he had fourth and one from the Titans 44 and they punted. Like you're scared of Derrick Henry running the ball back at the end of the half on you that you're punting from on, in that situation. And then even in, they had, uh, Keenan Allen had 10 targets for 111 yards. Why are you not throwing the ball more? They ran the ball at a high rate against the most pass funnel team in the league. Like, what are you guys doing? Without so, Austin Eckler, too. Yeah. Like, that's just, Joshua Kelly that's been these runs. Just throw the ball every down on the, against those guys. We saw the Eagles do that last year, and it worked, so, worked out so well for them. They have the offensive line to protect. That's all you really have to be afraid of is that front seven and just chuck the ball. And they found a way to lose that game late. And it's just crazy how much every year, every preseason, this is the Chargers year. And by week six, it's like, okay, maybe next year. And it looks like they're off to a good start again. And you'd check the odds on first coach to be fired. And look whose name's at the top. Yeah, uh, I looked right before we started recording. And obviously it's off the board, you know, on a on a Sunday, but last week Staley jumped into the first spot at plus five hundred. I don't, I, Tucker. I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know what he's going to be this week. But are, I'm assuming you're as concerned about the Chargers and kind of where they're going with with yeah. Staley as the rest of us. It, it's kind of funny because you just don't even look at the score. Look at the box score, and like man, Justin Herbert had a great day. Keenan Allen had a great day. Maybe one of the the more productive days across the NFL. Mike Williams. Had a great day himself. He had eight catches for 83 yards. Like everything that the Chargers want to do to win happened, right? Like offensively, they did everything that that they can do, that they should do. But they ran Josh Kelly into the ground. He had 13 carries for 39 yards. And they just can't get out of their own way. And, And I don't know why it is. Like I know things that happened 20 years ago by guys in the same uniforms don't affect what happened to the guys in the, you know, uniforms currently. But Sometimes it does. Like, I don't know if when they packed everything up from San Diego to move to Los Angeles, they they brought some of that bad luck with them and and some of that just ineptness. But I don't know. There's like three or four franchises in the NFL who every year when expectations and, you know, predictions all of a sudden get sky high, I always become skeptical. And and the Chargers are one of them. Like Justin Herbert, I think is probably a top three talent at quarterback right now and i don't know i think there's like 26 other franchises that if he were the quarterback he'd be runaway favorites for you know being in the super bowl and right now they're zero and two and i just i don't know what he can do more to, to make things better he's just a product of his environment right now i mean if, if justin herbert's the quarterback of the jets uh, we're talking about we're talking about you know we're talking about super bowl for sure and so yeah no it, it's it's a tough situation. They were two for 14 on third down, which is just, I mean, you have Justin Herbert and you have a, a passing game that was effective in this one. And you end up that it's just, it hasn't gone well. I do think that, I don't know about first coach fired, obviously things go wild, but I do think that there's a, a decent chance that Kellen Moore is the head coach of this team at some point in uh, this season. And that's going to be, you know, that's going to be interesting to see, but I'm trying to be a negative Let's let's move on. Let's talk about some positives. The team of Sharp Football, uh, the Falcons. By the way, Sharp Football Analysis, we've been on the Falcons. Uh, we were on the Falcons in the preseason. 
if you, you know, we, we've loved this team. If you want to get in on all of the information we have at sharpfootballanalysis.com, you can get our all access package. You'll find Rich Rebar, who even came around on the Falcons. You'll find his worksheets every week. Rich Rebar had an amazing week this week in his DFS previews that go up on Saturday. So if you're into playing DFS, that's part of our all access package. Warren Sharp's rec- betting recommendations, that's part of our all access package. You can find all of that at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Go and check it out. But the Falcons, definitely the team of Sharp Football Analysis. They come back to win a game that Desmond Ritter didn't look great in, I would have to say, but they came back to win. He made some plays late with his legs, and now the Falcons are 2-0. and The Bucks also 2-0. and We'll see what happens on Monday night. I think the Saints have a decent shot at being 2-0. and We could have three 2-0 and teams in the NFC South, which is, I don't think we would have said that at the beginning. But with the Falcons, this was a pretty good win against the Packers. This comeback was good, but I'm still kind of left, Curtis, thinking that we're going to need to see more from Ritter moving forward if this is going to be real. Not just them making the playoffs in a you know in a division in this division. If this is going to be real and we're actually going to see them be a good team, I, I still think we're we're missing something from Ritter, right? Yeah, I think so. I I would put my money on the Saints right now to win the division. If things stayed the same, uh, as much as we do like the Falcons, but they're def- they're definitely holding back, and I think they're a little afraid of letting Ritter cost them a game, and they're just playing it safe. They can. They've got a good enough run game, but when they get a, up against good teams, they're not going. They're going to have to go out and try to win the game and not try to lose it. And I think they're just trying not to lose right now with their run game, but at some point they're going to have to win a couple games, but their schedule is so easy that they can play like this for 14 of the 17 games. It's, it's such a cake schedule that this could get, this is going to get them over the win total. I don't think that's a in doubt, but it's kind of a mirage. They're not going to be able to do anything in the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs, unless they try to open up that offense a bit. But that's passing touchdown number two for Ritter, and I think we're rooting for about fourteen from him. So, he's not, he's, keep going. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get this over. We're gonna get this over one way uh, one way or another. I know you mentioned Bijan Robinson earlier, Tucker, right? You, I I didn't make that up in my mind. You you were talking no, about no, I did Bijan mention Bijan Robinson. Yeah, yeah, and so he was he was. You know, he was really good in this game, 19 carries for 124 yards. And we keep saying that they're not going to be able to keep doing this. Their defense does look better. I mean, they did give up three touchdown passes to to Jordan Love, but, it, I mean, it wasn't a great performance from Jordan Love. It's another what that's, that's six touchdown passes now for Jordan Love, and I haven't been wowed by either of his performances. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Of course, they have a lot of injuries. Aaron Jones wasn't there. Christian Watson wasn't there, so on and so forth. But, I mean – they get the Lions next. They get the Jaguars after that. If they're able to continue this game plan against those teams, Curtis mentioned their schedule. They might just be able to do this to everybody, and then you're then it's going to be really interesting. I think the next two games are where they can't do it, but then they got the Texans, Commanders, Bucks, Titans, Vikings, Cards, Saints. Like it, they're going to be tested in the next two, and if they can win one of those next two, like good on them because after that, it's open season for them to run the ball. And I also think it's important to talk about the Bucs being 2-0, which is another team I did not expect this with. I did think the Bucs had more talent, but Baker, you know, Baker wasn't – I didn't expect to even see, like, this version of Baker coming coming out. I know um, – I didn't actually watch a ton of this game. This is one of the games I planned to watch on Monday. I didn't think it's something that we would be talking about. But, I mean, 
Baker played well. Mike Evans went wild. Tucker, like, are, do we have to take this team seriously? Yeah, I mean, Chicago is dealing with a lot of injuries in, in their secondary, which I think certainly helped. I mean, Mike Evans, I think, had the best day of anybody today. Wide receiver position. He had six catches for 170 yards and a touchdown, including a, a 70-yard reception. But, I mean, the Baker Mayfield that we've seen so far this year, it's kind of the Baker Mayfield we saw was at 2020 when he, he took the Browns to the playoffs where – he's just not making mistakes. Like he he's kind of just being a good game manager. He, he's playing within the offense. He's making some plays with his legs. He, he had six carries for 17 yards. He had a nice nine yard run um, that, that picked up a, a key first down at one point. But the guy that we saw, I think last year in Carolina, who was trying to do too much, who was really trying to kind of lift a, a franchise onto his shoulders and maybe save the job of the, the coaching staff at the time. And, keep Christian McCaffrey in, in the city. I think, I don't know if he maybe learned a little bit in his couple weeks working with Sean McVay last year on how to kind of just take the play that's given to him. But I mean, right now with the weapons he has, it's probably the best weapons he's had in his career, especially at the wide receiver position. I mean, he just looks comfortable and you know, he, he's feeling himself. He's shouting at defensive backs when they try to tackle him. There's a clip that went viral last week of him, telling a, a, an opposing defensive back to hit the weight room because he was too light to, to tackle him. I mean, I don't know if Baker Mayfield's ever going to be, you know, the guy that should have been the number one overall pick and live up to that hype. But the guy that we've seen through two weeks is a competent NFL quarterback and, and certainly someone you can win with under center. Although I, I think he's more of a trailer than, than a truck. He's not the reason you win, but so far, I mean, with the talent they have defensively and, and some of the weapons they have, I mean, 26 of 34 for 317 yards and, and no interceptions. I don't know what more you could ask for, truly. I saw one one of his runs was like he was winding through the defense. Like he was like really going like, oh, I'm I'm actually a mobile quarterback. And he was going through, he was winding through. I was like, all right, what are we doing, Baker? Uh, let's uh, let's calm down a little bit. But, you know, it was interesting. You know, people said, talked about his run with the Rams last year. And like, oh, he was better with the Rams. And that was true. He was better with the Rams than he was with the Panthers, but the bar was very, very low and he still wasn't that good with the Rams. And so I did not expect him to come out and, and even play this competently. What I will say is next Monday night, they get the Eagles, I believe if I'm remembering the schedule correctly. Yes. And we could, we could find out a lot about this two and O start with them. And that's, what's interesting, you know, about the, the Falcons, we'll probably find out something next week about what they're able to do. The Bucks will find out about their 2-0 and start as well. And so it's going to be interesting to pay attention moving forward uh, at kind of what they wanted to do. I did see I my favorite. We have a, you know, a Google Doc that we're updating uh, that we update through the day to kind of think about the topics that we, you know, we want to discuss and make sure we remember. And I'm becoming a huge fan, Curtis, of your just your additions to it that are just like a few a few words of genius. This one, Lamar is good at football. So you want to expand on Lamar being good at football? Yeah, I, I know earlier in the week during one of our meetings, uh, Rich had mentioned that he was worried about the Ravens deep or the Ravens offense and thought they were going to get steamrolled this week. And one of us had to remind everyone that Lamar was had entered the game with a 700 winning percentage when he plays. That the Ravens are a good football team when Lamar Jackson plays football. He it's very underrated. And he went in as a three-point dog in on the road today and won again. He was pretty good through the air. He had a few nice scrambles. I, I'm pretty sure none of those were designed runs. I think that he just kind of escaped some pressure, which he 
didn't look nearly as good doing in week one. He looked a lot like the old Lamar today. And yet, yet again, he got the job done. He's got no defensive backs on that team. So he, the offense went in and won them the game. I also want to add just one more. I kind of added this note. Was this the best possible outcome for Arizona Cardinals in their first two games? They they played the they played tough in both games. They you know they were up for most of the game against the Giants. They played tough <clears> against <throat> the Commanders and had a chance to win. And so they they look they look respectable. Like it was definitely some respectable outings <laughs> for a team that we expect to be picking first in in next year's draft. But they still lost both games. I, I know that, we have that... some Giants fans on staff. Sorry, Todd, but yeah, the the Cardinals did not want to win today. They entered with a twenty. They they were up twenty points at the half. They did not want to win. This was exactly how they wanted to play the second half. So anyone who's excited about the Giants, uh, sorry, it's going to be a short game on Thursday because the Cardinals did not want to win today. So don't don't get too excited about that second half, Giants fans. It's brought to you by a Cowboys fan, Curtis uh, <laughs> Hirsch. Go and find him on Twitter if you have a Giants fan. But yeah, like Tucker, this feels like this feels ideal to me. Like this feels like the best possible outcome. Yeah, it's kind of exactly what I think the the front office and maybe the fan base is is thinking. And I think back to you know living in Philadelphia when the Sixers started tanking and the process was happening, it was terrible. Like they won, I think, ten games one year. But I'll tell you what, like every game you couldn't lose. Right. Like if someone had 30 points, great. But we lost by 15. Who cares? We're trying to get the first overall pick. We're trying to get Joel Embiid or whoever it may be. And I kind of feel that way watching the Cardinals. Now, I mean, I always say expectations ruin fun when it comes to sports. Right. Like the, the most fun teams are the teams that we didn't expect to do anything. And then when they go on a magical run, it's unbelievable. I mean, the Cardinals have no expectations. Right. Like they could go out and Joshua Dobbs had a great first half and I think fans there are probably super excited and then they lose and you know what who cares we're that much closer to, to getting caleb williams like on a weekly basis I, I don't think there's any way if you're a cardinals fan you can be upset unless they decide to move the team or they you know implode university of phoenix stadium as long as the arizona cardinals still exist in glendale arizona it's a good day to be a cardinals fan yeah, like it's 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 odd i've i've never actually rooted for a tanky uh, that's not true I don't pay attention to the Houston Rockets anymore because it's been dreadful. But I, uh, but yeah, no, it is. It is always fun where you go. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care. The, we lost. All right. And they good. have the but Texans I kinda, I think pick right. too. Things are looking so good for them, right? It's the Texans pick is really like the coup, the coup de gras for them. Is that I, I think going into the season, the two worst Super Bowl odds were the Cardinals and the Texans, and the Cardinals have. Both of those first round picks, so that is a that is a good outcome for sure for them. They had a really good draft uh, in kind of what they were able to do. So yeah, it's a it's been a good start, I think, to this to this new. Well, if they would stop posting videos of their head coach giving speeches, then it would have been the perfect start. That would be a perfect social media team. We need to stop. Protect your head coach, please. Protect your protect your head coach. I know we talked a little bit about Nelson Aguilar. We hit a little bit on the Giants running backs. Anybody else in the waiver wire that you know? We we still need to get some information on some injuries, but anybody else on the waiver wire, Curtis, that you're that you're really interested in uh, coming out of Sunday? Uh, not particularly. Yeah, we're gonna have to take a quick look at what happens in the next uh, day or so with some of the late injuries because 
there's not a lot of usage that was outside of the ordinary today. So I'm interested in what's coming up tonight. I'm very actually want to see what happens with some of the Patriots wide receivers, but I saw Keishon Butte was scratched. So I'm kind of interested in the slot, the rookie slot receiver, Demario Douglas, I believe it is. See if he gets a little more run. He had some in the end of the last game. Interested to see how that plays out, but yeah, it's, might be a thin week because there was some injuries, but are we going to run and spend it all on Matt Breida? No. So see what happens in this next two nights. You did have a, I think Josh Reynolds, maybe he had a pretty good game, oh, right? Did. Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Josh Reynolds, the guy I dropped after last week, for some reason, he's never going to get another touchdown again. Like, are you kidding me? And then, yeah, he's, he's the magic touch to that offense. I guess I would have never guessed that, but two touchdowns today and that's uh three and two games so he is uh looking pretty good and that yet again that's a solid passing game over in detroit so i'm also really interested in demario douglas tonight uh and again we record this before the sunday night game uh, so y'all are gonna know but it, just from a waiver perspective his usage with juju smith schuster and what's going on with juju smith schuster's knee is just really fascinating to watch <laughs> because it it could be it could be interesting. So that's one of the things I'm watching moving forward. Tucker, do you have anything in particular heading into week three that that you're interested in and will be watching this week? Yeah, my the most interesting matchup I think in week three is is Lions Falcons because those are two teams that I think have impressed a lot. But I also wonder how legit it is, right? The the Lions played really well in week one. They they beat a, a Chiefs team who maybe were not as high on after watching them really struggle offensively uh, against Jacksonville. Um, in week two and the Falcons, we, we talked about, um, you know, at length earlier, they're a team that's won, but how sustainable is it? They remind me a little bit of the Giants last year where they kind of just went on a roll and they kept winning and there was no reason or, you know, factors that you could point to and say, this is why they're winning. They just kept piling on. And then by the end of the year, they kind of ran out of steam and, and teams kind of figured them out. I just think yeah, as long as, you know, Desmond Ritter is under center in Atlanta, they have a, a certain ceiling, at least right now, unless he improves dramatically. But I'm curious to see those two teams go go head to head, because I think right now, among the teams who have a, a winning record in the NFC, that's you know wide open right now, depending on, on how you feel about the, the 49ers and the Cowboys, who I think cemented themselves as the class of the conference in week one. Um, besides those two teams, it, it's wide open. And if the Lions or Falcons can kind of put things together, and build on the success they've had, they could certainly put themselves in the conversation towards the top of the NFC. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm excited to watch that matchup next week. This is smiling probably because you didn't mention the Eagles. The Eagles also probably belong, belong, in, belong in that list. Although it was, you know, they, they've uh, tough won the turnover battle twice by many turnovers and have had two one-score games. That that defense Fair is enough. atrocious. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I actually, you know, it's interesting. You talked about the Lions uh, and, you know, beating the Chiefs in week one, and we don't really know what that means because of what we saw the Chiefs do against the Jaguars. I am very interested to see. I mean, you have enough institutional trust in the Chiefs and the offense and Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey still wasn't, you know, he definitely was not 100% against the Jaguars. So I am very interested, interested to see where this goes with the Chiefs. They're still one and one. They still Their were able defense, to win though. against the Jags. Like, look which what they are, did against Trevor Lawrence team. today. The, the defense, yeah, their defense. I unreal. So the, the offense will figure itself out. I'd be more worried about the Lions because they 
had a game handed to them by the Chiefs, and then today they couldn't stop a offense that got three yards in the second half last week. Three yards against the Rams again, another yeah. defense that you know we don't know. Right. We still don't really know how much we're trusting them. Yeah, I think that's a fair point about that. I, I will say, I mean, that that game got to go back and forth, up and down. I, I don't think that maybe maybe that defense played as they certainly aren't as good as we think they might have been in week one. I don't know if they're as bad as the, we think right. they might have been last week. They lost by Gardner Johnson. They left the game at some point. So and it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, the Chiefs, I'm I'm very fascinated to see kind of kind of where that goes moving forward. What about you, Curtis? Uh I am looking forward to watching the Cleveland Browns defensive line tomorrow. I think like although the Bengals didn't look all that good today, I think going back and watching a bit of that game, that that is going to be my second best defense in the league this year or you know what probably top three i'm gonna put them in the same category as the cowboys and the jets and not the 49ers who i'm gonna leave out of that i think their corners are a little bit weaker and they could be exposed but i'm really excited to see this cleveland defense moving forward in this new system under schwartz and they have so much talent there i think they're gonna put it together so i want to see them in a game against kenny pickett tomorrow it is kind of interesting that you play players in a way that they play well uh, and you play to their strengths and they actually play well. It's just a fascinating, just a really, yeah. really interesting coaching idea. All right, we're going to get out of this, out of here so we can go watch the Sunday night football game. We really appreciate you. If you're if you're here live on YouTube, we really appreciate you joining us. Remember, we're going to do this live every Sunday at 730 Eastern. So go over to YouTube, search Warren Sharp, and you can find us. Uh, and we're going to, uh, you know, like you said, we're going to recap every game. I'm going to be flustered at the beginning of every single episode as I'm trying to watch games and do an intro that I'm going to mess up terribly. But let me go ahead and mess this outro up as well. Come back and talk to us next week. He's there. He's Curtis. He's Tucker. I'm Ray. I got it out. We'll see you all next week. Well.